0: Well, well, happy Thursday to you, Cowboys Nation. It is the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. As of yet, the brand new, unnamed podcast, but we think we might have an angle for you as we get things started. I, of course, am rw 3 Roy White. Hopefully, you already know me from this time slot. However, my former associate, Ari Temkin, no longer with us, and we had to go and find one of the true vets here at blogging the boys a guy who people have been riled up right to get out of retirement okay a former star of the podcasting network he was off for a little bit of break in 2020 the Cowboys season went into the hole i'll let you decide whether or not that's a coincidence or whether or not we got to get this man back on the program ladies and gentlemen i want to introduce you to my good friend tom ryle how you doing tom
1: I'm doing great. And as always, somebody's trying to find a way to blame you for something else. So I'm ready to roll with it. Let's just see what happens here. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad to get back behind the microphone and uh, let's see what we can come up with and uh, try to entertain the folks a little bit out there with some Cowboys talk.
0: Well, it ain't going to be hard this week, my friend, because we've oh, got wow. a lot of news. Of course, uh, some of which you've already touched on with your great work over at Blogging the Boys. We already got a couple articles up from you, as you're always churning out content for people to check out. So in addition to the podcast, make sure you check out Tom's written work, because it is fantastic. And he has touched on the two most important topics for the Cowboys this week. So we'll start with what I believe most Cowboys fans is the most important aspect of their coaching search this offseason, and that is the addition of new defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. A little bit of background on him, of course, coming over from the Atlanta Falcons, an abysmal defensive season for them a year ago. But Mm -hmm. if you're looking at pedigree, we also are talking about a guy who helped – really begin the legion of boom up there in Seattle before he wound up getting that head coaching job. So Tom, I ask you, the hiring of Dan Quinn positive as stated by my later statement or negative as reflected in the Falcons performance in 2020. Well,
1: first off, the way I look at it is tell me the name that would be for sure a better hire than him from what was out there on the market he was probably as good as anybody else and better than most uh, that are coming because one of the problems you have when you're hiring football coaches, uh, I heard it on a a radio talk show today, people get hired because of what they've done in the past to which the counter is, well, what else are you going to hire them on? And most coaches have some good spots and some bad spots in their background. Um, you know Quinn had a spectacular two seasons up in Seattle. Uh, that's what he made his reputation on. Now, was he was there a problem with his defense that it didn't click so well without uh, some superstars like Richard uh, Sherman and, and Cam Chancellor to run it through,
0: and Earl Thomas? Or,
1: uh, yeah, or Earl Thomas, and all in their prime. Or was it just that he got to Atlanta and, as so many good coordinators find out, Willie wasn't the guy they needed for head coach? Don't forget that he came very close to winning a Super Bowl, you know, uh, at one point having a 25-point lead on the New England Patriots in a game that will live forever in Falcons infamy.
0: Yeah, i got to be but, honest with you, Tom. That, that's a knock on the ledger to me. How that game yeah. finished up—that's a neg, that's a knock, that's a negative on the ledger for me, for Mister Quinn as a head coach. Yeah.
1: yeah, as a head coach, but you know, people <laughs> say, "Well, you know, the defense didn't do anything," and it's like, "Well, wait a minute—the offense just rolled over and went into its shell." Oh yeah. Um. So you know, I, I, and I am not smart enough about any team outside the Cowboys to be able to dissect that kind of stuff because I am very blue and silver focused and things. But uh, I'm, you know, I'm willing to say that, okay, putting back in the defensive coordinator role, and let's see what happens because if, if, you're, if your bar is the legion of the boom and is the prime, you're going to be disappointed and you're not being realistic at all. The bar should be get the Cowboys from down in the cellar up into the middle of the pack. Because if the offense is what we think it's going to be this year, you don't have to have a shutdown defense. You have to have a defense that can go out and get you two or three more stops a game than they were last year, and hopefully a healthy Dak Prescott, a healthy offensive line, that trio of wide receivers and (laughs) – probably one of the most underrated pair of tight ends that the league's going to see next year. Uh, Plus, hopefully, Ezekiel Elliott is going to play a little bit more consistently. They should be able to get you points. All you got to do is kind of stop the bleeding a little bit on the other side. So if this Cowboys defense wound up ranked somewhere in 15th to 20th in the league, I think that's good enough to get them into the playoffs and possibly make a deep run.
0: Yeah, of course, I I do agree with you. I don't think, you know, the hiring of a singular defensive coordinator uh, of anybody that was out there available would have been the catalyst to say immediately, okay, this defense is going to be a top-10 defense. We still have way too many question marks that need to be addressed before we get into that conversation. You mentioning, though, that all we need from this defense is to get into the middle of the pack – it sounds eerily similar to how a lot of us were sounding at the beginning of 2020. It sounds from a Cowboys fans perspective. I can see how someone might think they're simply spinning their wheels, trying to address the problem and not really addressing the problem, which in my opinion, Tom, and you wrote an interesting article on this, which I'd like to get your Mm -hmm. thoughts on. It doesn't really matter who the coach is if they Mm -hmm. don't address the significant issues in the talent department that they Mm -hmm. have on the defensive side of the football, agree or disagree?
1: Well, as you said, I wrote an article that basically said that. So of course I agree with it, but the, uh, (laughs) the, uh, yeah. There, there is an aspect of the coaching that's very important, but you have to start with, with what are your problems? Um, you need a one-tech. You got to have a nose tackle, and and the team, the Jones family just seems to loathe the idea of a big nose tackle. Um, It's going to be very interesting to see how how Quinn comes in and wants to approach that because you can have great three techs, but you can still get run on if you don't have that one guy who can just absolutely clog up the middle and hopefully give you the plus of being able to push the pocket back just through size and strength. Yeah, if nothing uh, else, the, the,
0: like the intimidation factor of being a, a yes. singular guy who can win a one-on-one matchup on the inside mm-hmm. consistently makes the the offense have to make so many more significant adjustments than if they have to double a guy on the outside, right? You can slide a yeah. tight end in. You can bring a wide receiver in motion. You can use a running back. But if a guy's coming up the middle and causing havoc, mm-hmm. that's trouble for everybody. So great point.
1: Yeah, and, um, and the, the the other thing is – you don't have to have a guy that can go three downs. You're looking at a first and second down guy primarily when it's a clear passing down, you're going to pull them out, run one of your, your other three techs out there, or maybe even slide one of your defensive ends in depending on how they wind up equipped at defensive end. Um, I think the three tech is not going to be in bad shape with Tristan Hill healthy again. He was coming on very strong and it looked like he was about to have a really good season before he got injured. And Neville Gallimore after he got a few games under his belt really seemed to have the light come on for him. So I think they've got a good pair of three techs. Uh, You know, maybe they'll uh, get Antoine Wood signed back up. And then I think the interior, get yourself somebody. And I would like to see them draft somebody in the second or third round to plug up that middle. Um, You know, get your big kid out of college and figure out a way to to stop the run. Defensive end is probably in pretty good shape. Um, And it's kind of interesting because one of the things that I think led to Dan Quinn coming in or at least led to Mike Nolan leaving was that Jerry Jones was insistent that Randy Gregory get more snaps and be used as a starting defensive end, and Nolan refused to do that. So I don't know what the story is there because when they had Gregory out there, he looked really, really good. So I think that was a large part of the decision that happened.
0: No question about it. Randy Gregory was an absolute monster, arguably – not just their best defensive lineman. I think, I don't think that's arguable over the last mm-hmm. six or seven games. Um, yeah. but I actually think he might've been their The team's best defensive player of yeah. kind of the last several games of the season.
1: Well, and don't, don't forget DeMarcus Lawrence because he, I think just got so much attention. That's one of the reasons why Gregory was able to thrive. It's the same way as happened with, uh, Robert Quinn last year, uh, you just have to pay so much attention to D-Law, the other guy's going to have a little bit more freedom out there. You, you have those two guys. Then you've got Dorrance Armstrong as a guy who can come in and, in relief. Uh, he was holding up pretty well and had some nice flashes. I mean, he's never going to be your starter, but he's the guy that can come in and give them, give them a few snaps to rest and everything. And then we're still hoping to see that Bradley and I is who we think he is. Who knows since they never let him get on the field. And again, I think that's something they're going to have to look at. I mean, maybe he just doesn't really have it, but the the reports coming out of practice was, no, no, he's just doing, he's doing great. We just got uh Alden Smith and all the hand of him. Well, okay. Looks like Alden Smith may not be there. I don't think he's coming back. Um, and so, we're gonna to have to find out what he's got. But I think defensive end is okay. You get gotta get that that interior of the defensive line short up. Linebacker is the enigma. Were we seeing just an inherent lack of capability, uh football intelligence, anticipation, whatever from Jalen Smith. Or was they, were they just trying to use him wrong and, and have him do things he shouldn't be? The idea, apparently, is that we're going to go back to a one-gapping defense, uh, hopefully get the linebackers with, with less complicated assignments, uh, have them playing downhill a little bit more. So, hopefully, Jalen Smith and Van Der, Leighton Van Der Esch are going to be able to be more like they were in Van Der Esch's rookie year. Would it look like the Cowboys were set at linebacker for the next five or six years? (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, And so I don't really know what the answer is there, but that's one reason I'm a little bit hopeful that no, uh, excuse me, that Quinn can come in and correct the problems that Nolan was having. He's not going to be throwing something real exotic and complicated. This is going to be more, from everything I understand, the traditional 4-3 defense that they were familiar with back in the days of Rod Marinelli.
0: No question about it. Well, Dan Quinn will have his opportunity to make an impact on this defensive unit. Still plenty of guys that you mentioned along the defensive line and in the linebacker core that have been around here for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, But hopefully this is a situation where you can teach some old dogs some new tricks And uh, Dan Quinn will provide that. The aspect of the defense that we hadn't yet touched on yet, the secondary just saw an addition as well amongst their coaching ranks. Mm -hmm. Joe Wick Jr. is going to be joining the Dallas Cowboys as their new secondary coach. He also comes over from Atlanta, a struggling secondary unit. But, of course, the ties to Mike McCarthy and their decades spent together in Green Mm -hmm. Bay – is one of the things Cowboys fans are pointing to as actually a reason to be down on him, and yeah. specifically a reason to be critical of Mike McCarthy's and Jerry Jones's coaching decisions when it comes to bringing in guys that he's familiar with. Now, I'm interested to hear what you think about that criticism, Tom, because I'm one that while I understand fans, Wanting to say, hey, it looks like Mike McCarthy is only bringing in his guys. I thought this was a gentleman who went into the woods, into the winter, into the cold, and completely reinvented himself. And yet, it seems that at every opportunity, he's just going back to the well. What do you make of that criticism from a lot of the Cowboys' social media fan base? Well,
1: I don't, know the, the, I don't know the correct answer to that. I can't tell you what's right and what's wrong. However, we have an example on the Cowboys of why you keep seeing coaches just kind of cycle around through the NFL. They hired Maurice Linguist uh, out of a and up from the college ranks to be their secondary coach, and he's not here. He's one of the guys that's gone. It was felt that he didn't have a good handle on the situation. And that's the problem. Uh, going with someone that doesn't have the NFL experience is such a crapshoot and I'm suspecting that Joe Whit was part of a package deal that Dan Quinn presented them with when they wanted him to come in as a defensive coordinator I think he's a Quinn hire not a Mike McCarthy hire as much Mike McCarthy was probably all on board with it but I bet Quinn was the guy that really was the impetus behind that I don't know that that is my opinion but you see that guys, I mean, look at what's happening at the University of Texas right now. Uh, Steve Sarkisian is just sucking guys out of, off of the Alabama staff to come with him. <coughs> People like their guys. That's just universal to coaching, I think. And when you've got a guy who's both Mike McCarthy's guy and Dan Quinn's guy, well, it's real easy to get them unified on hiring him. So I'm going to be interested to see what, the, what he does. Now he faces kind of the same problem. He's got one what looks to be really good up-and-coming cornerback in Trayvon Diggs. He's got a kind of a guy that finally broke out at Donovan Wilson as a kind of a box safety kind of guy.
0: Yeah. Not my free. Yeah, outside, outside, he ain't outside my cover that, guy. You know,
1: yeah, outside of that, you don't you don't have a free safety, and the rest of the cornerbacks are free agents pretty much outside of I think Anthony uh, Anthony Brown. <clears throat> you got uh, Maurice Kennedy, I think, who was on uh, who was on the COVID exemption thing where he opted out of the season, but is now under contract. So that cupboard ain't got a whole lot in it. Now they've got to really look at how do they stock it up. Do they go in and try to sign Cheeto Ouzier or Jordan Lewis back? Were they showing enough? And that's kind of an interesting question because all of a sudden, in the last seven games of the season, the Cowboys discovered that, hey, defensive backs can catch the ball too we started seeing some interceptions we started seeing some turnovers that stuff we just had missed out on for so much of the
0: season and now all of a sudden it was happening so much of the season which season Tom yeah it's like we've missed it for most of the decade to the point that the fact that they got so many turnovers even though all it really was was a return to the norm like a return to the mean right yeah the law of averages said that the Cowboys at some point should have a big bunch of turnovers. But I got to tell you, because of their most recent history, I don't see that trend continuing in the future. Like, I don't assume that trend is going to continue in the future. I would actually probably assume that they would revert back to the latter, even though the law of averages would suggest that, hey, like more turnovers probably are coming in 2021.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's one of the great questions in football. How much of turnovers is luck? How much of a lot of football is luck? People don't want to admit the fact that, you know, the the officials getting a call wrong at the right right point can really be beneficial. How the ball bounces, uh, you know, A defender just stumbling a little bit can make a huge difference in how a play turns out or the same thing with say an offensive lineman who gets his feet, you know, kind of caught up in the, the, the turf. Football is a game where chance plays a remarkable uh, amount. And I don't, I think people just want to overlook that. These aren't, you know, robotic creatures that you go out and program them perfectly and then you know exactly what's going to happen you never know what's going to happen with all the variables you've got out there facing them so yeah i am hopeful that we're going to see turnovers kind of be more at the nfl average maybe even bounce a little bit above it because they're kind of do if, if statistics work that way which uh, you know not real smart on statistical stuff but maybe we can see a little bit more of that. I do think maybe since they finally started coaching these guys to look for the ball, which was obviously, at least according to multiple reports, that was something they were literally coached to not do the past couple of years, which always – Boggled my mind I don't, I don't understand, uh, yeah, it's just absolutely baffling. How are you supposed to be able to defend a pass better by not knowing where the ball is just by watching the defender? That seems counterintuitive uh, just makes no sense to me, you know, I personally would think you'd want your defensive back to see the ball, see the flight of the ball, and have an idea of where it's coming down. He's got a lot better chance of breaking up a pass or maybe getting an interception than if he's just watching the defender and the defender knows where the ball are watching the receiver. So the receiver knows where the ball is going to be. And the defender has no idea really which shoulder is coming over or whatever, but you know, Hey, that's just me. I'm not a coach. Obviously, you know, I'm just a, a retired old guy sitting around in my late mom's non-existent basement spouting out these things for the people to hear. So we'll just have to, See how that goes, but you
0: sound like 2019 Mike McCarthy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh he had a much nicer setup than I've ever had, but uh the uh I want to see what they bring in for Whit uh to work with. Um uh, and it looks like they might be keeping Al Harris too. So I'm wondering if he was the guy that was working on getting the defenders to track the ball. So you know, there's a lot of things that are going on, uh, you know, that I'm hearing that, you know, or we're kind of hearing out there because I think you see some of the same things I do. Uh it looks like George Edwards is going to kind of stay in his uh, special advisor uh, capacity with the defense. And Leon Lett may stick around as the defensive tackles coach. Uh, they, are, they are interviewing uh, – we were discussing the name just before. Yep, a uh,
0: number of different uh, uh, candidates. Uh, the defensive line coach of the Los Angeles Chargers by the name of Giff Smith. It's G-I-F-F. <laughs> uh, also, a couple of other defensive coordinators from around the NFL, and of course, you can tune into blogging the boys or check out the website at any time to get the latest on the Dallas Cowboys coaching search. So all that coming right to you. Go ahead and download the app. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And when we come back from the break, we're going to touch on Tom's biggest 2020 disappointment and what he's most looking forward to from the Cowboys offseason in 2021. We're calling this one Riled Up on the Cowboys with Tom Ryle and Roy White coming up next. So we're back, Riled Up on the Cowboys with Tom Ryle and Roy White. We just got done talking about the uh, situation involving the Cowboys coaching staff, obviously continuing to make additions and continuing to get their interviews. I wanted to get Tom's take on how, you know, we can kind of put a bow on 2020. Obviously, in most Cowboys fans' minds, in fact, I can't find a one who would have said in any capacity that the 2020 season for the Dallas Cowboys was a success, despite the fact that they finished the year, Tom, just one game out of first place. Okay, so I'm trying to find the silver lining of optimism here. Uh, In your mind, and I know I didn't give you a ton of opportunity to think about it. But in your mind, do you have a thought on the biggest disappointment of the Cowboys 2020 season? And I'll give you a little time again, because I know there are a ton of candidates.
1: Well, I, I think the, the first thing I have to say, and I have to get this in here, the name Is your idea? I didn't come up with that. I'm not. I'm not that vain, so I just wanted to make sure that everybody was. One hundred percent.
0: My idea. (laughs) I came up with it. This is part of the reason I had to get him off the retirement circuit and back into the game, because I needed his name. It's an amazing name for a podcast, and uh, I'm actually a little pissed at him that he hadn't already been using it. But now I'm commandeering it, and it's ours together. It's our thing now. Yeah. You can't take it I will it say, now
1: that, now that you've brought it up, I'm certainly going to claim it because I've been living with that pun my entire life. And so <laughs> it's nice to finally get a chance to write on it. But my biggest disappointment was that we never really found out what this team was supposed to be. Um, and that covers a variety of sub components. We've been talking about one of them, which was – Mike Nolan came in and I think foolishly tried to go ahead with this big changeover on the defense, not recognizing the fact that you can't install something like that with Zoom meetings and, you know, virtual stuff. You actually have to have practices. You have to have meetings. You have to sit down and work with the players. Trying to get together and do that over a laptop like we do our podcast, you know, we can handle it, but trying to well, do we're that. We're pros. We're
0: not. I mean, we're professionals at what we do. So, yes, of course, we can <laughs> handle it. But they don't <laughs> know how to handle <laughs> it <laughs> the <chat> like you <laughs> and I do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's just I can understand. it That's just hard to do. And yet they pressed ahead. There should have been a point. You would think in training camp that they would have noticed that, you know, hey, guys, this ain't going so well but they just kept plowing ahead and they kept thinking, well, everybody will catch on. Everybody will catch on. Some players never caught on until the end. And yeah, I kind of include Jalen Smith as the leader of that little parade, but still that's what happens. We never really found out if Mike Nolan was a good answer on defense or not. We don't actually have the answer that maybe with a full off season, we would be happy to have him back. But, we didn't find out. It was kind of bad. And the, f- the other side was, you know, in addition to all the other problems and restrictions we had with COVID, the injuries. Good grief. We never found out what this offense could really fire up and do. Although while Dak Prescott was, was healthy after, you know, they had a rough first game. And then he went on a tear. Uh, Those three wide receivers were lighting it up. Uh, Dalton Schultz was in there saying, hey, you can live without Blake Jarwin for a season because you got me. And they were on fire, 400-yard games, 30 points, just out there doing incredible things. And then, of course, Dak Prescott goes out for the season. So – we had this Ferrari that lost a couple of tires right out of the gate when you, both of your offensive tackles were gone within two weeks of the start of the season.
0: I was going to say, I don't even think we got out of the garage with that thing before we yeah. had lost uh, a serious uh, an interior defensive lineman that they were expecting to rely a lot on, and Gerald McCoy, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Tyra Smith. And then Lyle Collins, who basically were all lost before the season began.
1: Yeah, I had to go back and look it up. Uh, Tyrant actually played a couple games. Played a game,
0: right? Yeah, but Lyle was the one who they continued to tell us all preseason, hey, we think we're a week away. He's making his way back. He should be back by the regular season. And then right before the regular season began, if my memory serves me correctly, he was put on IR.
1: Yeah, and that scares me to death. Because, quick, tell me what he's went out for. Uh,
0: Wasn't it a back? I I actually no, don't do not remember.
1: Hip, hip, hip. Groin. Okay. It's kind of fuzzy. Uh, there was they were reporting hip. Word was coming out from some of the insiders that there really was a groin injury involved, and that seems to me that's not like a knee scope. That's not like, you know, an ankle. That's okay. Can is that really fixed? So with him and with the fact that Tyron Smith, who is only 31, I think, uh, 30 or 31 at this point, but he's got a decade of warring in the NFL trenches. He's missed games uh, every year for the past four years now uh you know most of this season but he was just like you could depend on him for 13 games in a season well okay that can be a problem depending upon which three games he misses yeah. uh suddenly i don't know how secure we are at offensive tackle uh the interior looks good if tyler Biatish is who we think he is uh you know, he was on the, I think, the PFF all rookie team, even though he was only in for a handful of games. <laughs> but
0: I think by yeah, the end of the season, those guys held up well. You know, if yeah. Cowboys Fans would be encouraged by the idea that going into 2020, 2021, rather, they do have some depth along that offensive line. Brandon yeah. Knight, Terrence Steele started to find his legs a little bit. Brandon Knight was serviceable, right? Connor yeah. McGovern held up in on the interior well enough. Um, and as you mentioned, of course, if Zach Martin's going to be a part of that equation, fully healthy, then, yeah, you. I actually feel pretty good about that unit into the future outside of those considerable injury questions that really reared their head all of 2020. Yeah. And I would agree and that, to me, was the biggest disappointment of 2020 was yeah. the fact that injuries stalled them before they even got out of the gate, as you said.
1: Yeah. And before we get too far, don't forget Connor Williams, the rock of the offensive line this year. Yeah. He was the one guy that made it from the start to the finish. A lot of people felt that he was a real weak link and turned out to be the one guy they could depend on. And I think he's going to be better next season because of having been out there. But, yeah, we've got to just see if this all really does come together and if there's bigger problems coming down the pike. Like you said, we're in a lot better shape now with Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight than we were at the start of the year, uh, last year. Uh, So, yeah, I think they could certainly recover faster. I just don't want to see them to have to recover that much (laughs) right off the bat. I don't want to see them having to fight that. And we don't know what's coming with all of that. Uh, And injuries, just like turnovers, there's nothing you can really do to predict them. Or to stop them from happening, it's just it's a roll of the dice. If the if the dice come up come up boxcars, you're great. If they come up snake eyes. Well, okay.
0: Yeah, give me a chance, right? Give me a chance by getting those guys healthy by late July. Okay, I don't need to even see them in early training camp. All right, just get them healthy. And get them ready over the final couple weeks of preparation before you start playing actual football games. Hopefully, in 2021, Tom, will get a little bit of a preseason as well. Of course, any Cowboys news that takes place this offseason, you'll be able to get it right here on Blogging the Boys podcast for you daily. And, of course, all that great content at bloggingtheboys.com. Make sure you check it out, bookmark it, tell your friends, and subscribe to our YouTube page if you're into that as well as the podcast. Uh, So with that in mind, Tom, we kind of put a bow on 2020. We're going to shut the door on that. I think not just from a Cowboys standpoint, but I think everybody's ready to shut the door on 2020 (laughs) and move forward into 2021 with an optimistic outlook, right? Cowboys Mm -hmm. fans need a reason to get excited about the upcoming season. So with that in mind, this 2021 Cowboys offseason – what are you most looking forward to keeping in mind that as we spoke about them trying to address some of these issues, depth on the offensive line and injury, uh, perhaps trying to address the linebacker situation, we may be dealing with a situation where the cap is significantly less than what it was in 2020.
1: I'm To me, it just all comes down to you have to look forward to the draft. That's your most economical way of getting talent. It's also far and away where the Cowboys have been most successful in recent years. Let's just face it. They suck at free agency and I don't think that's going to change, especially not with a constricted cap.
0: You think they Uh, try that hard though in free agency either though? I mean, I agree that they suck at it because they take the approach of we're not ever going to pursue. And and I understand it. We're not ever going to pursue the highest price guys, right? All right. Take yourself out of that equation. Uh, and, and I did think this past offseason that they found some decent bargain bin players, at least I thought at the time, right? When they signed yeah, Andy Dalton, to be, I thought nice bargain. When they signed Gerald McCoy, I thought good pricing. When they signed yeah. Don Terry Poe, when they signed Everson Griffin, I thought these were shrewd moves. Alden Smith, you know, the one that turned out to be a shrewd move. The others that I mentioned, not so much. Um, yeah. it, Andy
1: Dalton won bad. It just he just got thrust into having to do too much too fast. Uh, so yeah, but mostly it was another pretty dismal free agency. Now we mustn't forget that big elephant standing over in the corner, known oh, as yeah. Dak Prescott's contract.
0: Oh yeah, and whether or not that's going to be a long term deal, which would allow them to spread some of that money out in 2021 and might give them some flexibility on the free agency front or whether or not he winds up signing that franchise tag again, costing them a massive $39 million against the 2021 cap. You are absolutely right. It is the elephant in the room. Fortunately, we will have tons of time this (laughs) offseason, in my opinion, to talk about it Uh, because between you and I, I don't think he's getting signed anytime soon, even still agree
1: yeah and i i don't i don't trust that they're going to get smart and do it quickly meaning what they should do but i'm like you uh they're going to try to milk it ride it out and look like hard bargainers which is really stupid because how many players have rolled them on contracts when it all wound up in the end uh you know
0: Every contract, every big contract we can think of, you could argue they got <laughs> rolled on. Uh, outside of maybe Demarcus Lawrence, who I think has earned it, he, right? Zeke, he, he, a phenomenal player, but his position doesn't deserve the money that he's getting paid. True. Yeah. True La- facts. Leo
1: La- 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 Collins signed a good contract for them.
0: Yep, yeah, you're their, right about that. I agree. Leo so La- La- Collins, uh, below market value contract. Yeah,
1: but for they, sure. they 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 certainly get backed into a corner by players like, like Elliot and Jalen,
0: you know, it's like, why,
1: why? Come on guys.
0: Well, and specifically that Jalen one to me seemed like a perception thing. Yeah. Only because of the timing in that he was signed while they were playing hardball with Zeke. Right. It almost came across to me. And I know we're going back in time just a little bit, but at the time it almost came across to me as, Hey, if you're a good soldier like Jalen, you can get paid too, Zeke, right? And it was almost yeah. as much of a message to Zeke as it was true belief in a player's ability.
1: Yeah, and the other, the other side of it that frustrated me is a couple of positions you really don't want to be investing your cap space in are off-the-ball linebacker and running back. It's just like that's not where you should be putting your big cap dollars.
0: No question about it. Well, I think the analytics folks would 100% agree with you there. Uh, I'm on board, though, with getting excited about the NFL draft. Uh, I think next week we'll maybe get into a little bit of your ideas about what the Cowboys may be able to do with that number 10 pick. we got a lot of time between now and then in that draft, so we'll get all over it. And I look forward to that, Tom. But uh, as far as the first podcast being in the books, give me a quick review. How do you think it went?
1: I had fun.
0: (laughs) Hopefully (laughs) they did out there too. (laughs) That's all I like to hear, brother. Well, uh, it's a pleasure doing it with you for the first time on the podcast. Those of you that are out there listening, make sure you follow Tom at? Tom Ryle, B-T-B. That's right. On Twitter, Tom Ryle, BTB. I'm Dub 3 on Twitter. And, of course, you can find all of Tom, Tom's great content at Blogging the Boys. Go ahead and check it out. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. For Tom, I'm Roy White. We're riled up on the Cowboys, and we out this piece.